You may kill me, but you may never insult me. Who am I? I'm Kevin Jack Sparrow. Get the truth about movies on the movie show. If he were telling the truth, he wouldn't have told us. <laughs> Tell them, Sparrow! Unless, of course, he knew you wouldn't believe the truth, even if he told it. Mm-hmm. Hello? Joey, it's Ross. I need some help. Help has come your way because you are listening to the movie show. What is up? How's it going? This is the movie show. On Active FM. And we are doing the worst Quentin Tarantino film. And he said it is his worst film. Yeah, We're not even like out here being like, yeah, we think in our personal opinion. Didn't you say that because of what it made? The bad reviews. Um, yeah. So he, people, when this he enjoyed film, making it though. He loved making it. Yeah. But when it came out, people were just like, what, the, what on earth? And then it didn't do well. And then he was like, okay, guys, you know what? It's my worst film. But then he said, because... We all know that, okay, we might not all know this, so I'm going to say it. Quentin Tarantino has stated that he will only direct 10 films, only, in his whole career. He will then go on to write novels. He said he wants to do uh, theater productions as well. So, like, when he's, when he's done his 10th film, he's currently made nine, so he's got one more left. And once he's done that one, he then wants to go on to, you know, a much simpler life of writing books and doing stage plays. Wow. Yeah. So, in his words, this is his worst film. But then he said, if you think this is my worst film, it's still a good film. Which means my worst film is not the worst film. It's actually a pretty good, bad film. Yeah. If you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 So, watching this, I was just like, oh, okay, okay. But then, um, getting a bit of reference and background about the film. So, this film was part of like... So, okay. In history... There was a time when the household television took over and killed the cinema star. Mm -hmm. And so what they started doing is they started making weird movies. But the reason for that was city cinemas specifically took a hit because people were staying at home. They were sitting at home. So those city cinemas decided to play cheaper films Mm. at cheaper rates. But these cheaper films were like slasher films. Exploitation and like, films. Yeah, like hectic films. Like weird stuff, like cannibalism, death. Like I almost feel like that's where the horror like era like almost started. But there's horror and then there's like slasher films. Like film. this is weird This film. is a slasher film. Yeah. This is like... And, that, pu- and that pulled everyone in. Yeah. So this was almost... But apparently that film era, even though it was like cheap films, you can't like almost... Be like, okay, yeah, whatever. It was just a bad period for the film history mm. or film period, whatever. But because that film era gave rise to people like James Cameron. Yeah. So his first, w- one of his first films was those type of films. So like it is, even though it's an ugly part of the film era, it's like a, an essential part type of thing because it gave rise to many people that we know today. Yeah. Mm. But you don't think that he would have maybe started off, like instead of him doing a film like that, so that it could be go out in cinema, maybe he would have done a different film. This film's weird though, because 
So what would happen was in those days, you'd have what you call a double feature, mm. right? So that's when you're actually getting two movies. So you watch two separate movies, but they play right after one another. Now, this film, Death Proof, was his fifth, Quentin Tarantino's fifth film, is actually a double feature. And both movies together are called Grindhouse. And the second movie was directed by Robert Rodriguez, and he made a film that was about zombies, and it was called Silent Something. I forgot. I can't find the name of the second film. But basically, those two films work together. It's called Planet Terror. There we go. So that movie is basically all about these... I think it's also women who fight zombies, but also it's a slasher film. So it's not like... it's it's It's... Yeah, it's gory, it's over gory, etc., etc. And then this film, Death Proof, was more of like a car chase. Mm. That was the theme. Mm. Together, both of those films were four hours in length, but then obviously separate. This film is is just under two hours. Yeah, there's the four hour thing again. Yes, but mm. then this film, Quentin Tarantino also released it by itself, especially at like um the Cannes Film Festival and stuff. And then he actually added footage so there's an the, so there's an extended version of the movie and then there's the version that was released as the double feature with planet terror so quite an interesting concept actually yeah yeah wow. quite but, weird but people didn't they they weren't like yeah they they really weren't people were just like okay yeah um, which i find not, uh, slightly not, sad. Nothing too interesting, but Looking at that era and the whole death of like like the film and how it relates to Mike the stuntman. Yes. And how he was trying to bring back to life the whole thing of stuntman, like he had a sore spot. <laughs> and so now he was almost taking it out on Well he had a weird way of like taking a lot it of women out and the scar. Remember I told you about the eye patch? Remember I said, I don't know why I see the guy with the eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> and then he has a score over his And then he's eye. got a score and I'm like, that eye. There's something about that eye. <laughs> <laughs> that eye. Either eye patch or score. What else? Kurt Russell wasn't originally, though, Quentin's first choice for the role of stuntman Mike. Stuntman Mike, mm. if you haven't watched this film, basically he's an, a stuntman yeah. who hasn't had the best career and... The film industry is changing, CGI is coming in, so they don't need stuntmen to do the things that they used to do yeah. anymore. And so he's kind of out of uh, uh, work, etc. So in order to get back the same feeling that he felt when he was doing those stunts, he decides to take the car that was built for the stunts and kill women with it. Death Literally, proof. that's... Mm. That's how he gets... I'm and like, what is wrong with you? And death-proofing a car is an actual concept. Mm. It, it's a stunt... It's, it's how they make a stuntman's car or like especially... Uh, like, I don't know if you've ever been to a a bump, bumper car like rally yeah, yeah, yeah. type of thing where they just like keep bumping each other and smashing. So it's death-proofing uh, the car for the stuntmans. Although I highly doubt that though because like for example in the film, like there's a head-on collusion. Like that all head on collusion was just like what, but and he's but he survived. Yes. He was the one person who survived. Although in that one, the car sort of goes over. Yeah. Where in a head on collusion, if they hit like like okay, fact, two cars if they have a head on collusion uh, at 60, 60 kilometers an hour, work that out in your miles, uh, that would kill like basically everyone in the car. Only sixty. Yeah, because of your organs and all. Go, Go look it up. Go go look at the medical. Because of the dead stop, the force from this side, the force from the opposite end, they hit each other. Even at at, at sixty k's an hour, will be fatal. Like you might be like, oh, I'm fine. Next minute, 
yeah, there's probably blood coming out of your ears or something like that because <laughs> your brain has hit the front of your skull at such a speed it's probably you know take so, jello so, so take jelly throw it against the wall <laughs> <laughs> nice see right. what it does that's what i'm talking no, about i feel like you'd have to take two things of jelly and throw <laughs> it at each other and have them hit one another at the same then you'd know at this point we need footage of jelly <laughs> in slow-mo in the air <laughs> One red, one green. Oh, yeah, yeah. The so that you can see up, yeah. exactly. So you can see exactly what each one does. Can I just say, as gory as that crash was, as go- and it was gory, it was it was brilliantly done, which is so weird because it's such a graphic scene. It's like, yeah. like literally you have a close-up of the, what happens to the chick's face. Like each chick. In fact, there's four chicks in the car. Mm. They show you exactly what happens. And they even have time to pull in a, put in a Wilhelm scream. I don't know. I, heard it. I, I heard was it. like, yeah. now's not the time to be ah. bringing comedy into the situation. <laughs> but yeah, like it was, it was, it was brilliantly filmed. Do you know mm. that Quentin Tarantino was the DOP for this film? As well, he he chose to do the cinematography. I was like, oh my good, and the shots are mm. brilliant. The shots really are good in this yeah. film. Like he does that three sixty table turn mm. conversation in the restaurant mm. with the the latter. You know, there's the four girls that come in later mm. on. Apparently, Kurt Russell was in that scene. You could, I think, you could see him sitting in the uh, background. The po- which is very freaky. You see, now that we think of pop fiction and how we think of this film, it is. I personally okay. Yeah. When I watched a video on this this film, the the person that was speaking about it was actually saying that this film paid homage, even though it's set, it's not set in the 1960s and 70s. It's actually set modern day. The reason you know that is because I don't know if you remember what was the radio presenter's name. You know who I'm talking about yeah, in the beginning. So she's messaging that guy to come yeah, join them at remember. the bar. And the type of phone she's using is oh, a modern yeah. phone. Well, yeah. not now, but back then. Yeah. So you know it's a it's, it's set modern. But then yeah. it starts the way... So you can see it's film mm. that's being used. And a lo- some, some segments are in black and white, which is the 60s era. It's not the modern era. And then um, other segments, like the footage is very grainy, very scratched. Yeah. And even at times, there's jumps in the footage. And the reason he did that was because in those days, so you'd film a film on film. That's why it's called a film. Because you literally used film to shoot your movie. Then you'd edit the film so in other words, you'd actually cut and put the film, not you wouldn't put it into a computer and then you'd actually be using the actual film. Mm-hmm. And then... Close up, take, long shot, take, cut it at 45 degrees, you join it yes. together, you... And even the black and white thing was quite interesting mm-hmm. because if they, for example, like I think they said if they lost the negatives, then they'd have to put it in black and white. So like sometimes films in those days would actually suddenly turn black and white just because they... They lost the... What is it that makes it color? I don't know. That's why I'm like... Hmm? So, uh, yeah, I'm not very... But, but I know there were times where... So that the, one of the segments that was in black and white, they were like saying it could have been homage to those times in the film industry where something was lost and then they only had the black and white version of the scene. So they had to now use the black and white version. But then also mm. on top of that, you would send a film reel now to the cinemas mm. and now they would play the film for when people were watching the movie. So nothing was digital. Mm. And then what would happen was sometimes like if it wasn't, if the film wasn't 
um, sent in the right packaging or if it wasn't treated correctly, then you'd get the scratches. Yeah. Obviously, if it's mm. tore, they'd have to stick it back together, but then you'd literally lose a piece of the movie. That's mm. why there'd be a jump. So what Quentin Tarantino was doing was he was literally paying homage to that film era by also treating the footage itself like the footage would have been in that era. But then at the same time, it also pays homage to Stuntman Mike because Stuntman Mike's peak in his career was the 1960s and 70s those were the types of films he was doing his work in Mm. and now he was being forgotten as the film industry modernized etc etc and then also what it represents is that so whenever they show the footage as being that 1960s 70s style it's that stuntman mike is in he's got like the power and he's controlling things and then even when he's scouting the second group of girls to murder the second group of girls, it's in black and white. And in the 1960s and 70s, it was very expensive to to print color photographs. Mm. And actors would have to send headshots of themselves out to like many studios. And it was cheaper to print your headshots in black and white than in color. So Mm. most casting calls had black and white photographs involved and he was doing yes and he was doing a casting call for his next victims so that's why that part that scene while he's there it's black and white and then as soon as he leaves it becomes color Color, because now he's not doing the casting call anymore but then also the, the the whole movie isn't like that so it doesn't it's not all that full grainy film footage that's cutting and stuff what what happens is when the the second set of girls show up they're also in the film industry so the one is a makeup artist the one is an actress and then two are stunt they also do stunts yeah, yeah. the stunts driver and then the that the, new zealand uh, stunts woman who, yeah. who actually act, she's she's as, as herself she acts as herself yes who is a, she is Zoe. a stunt woman. Yeah, Zoe, Zoe right? Bell. Yeah. She did all of the stunt work for Uma Thurman in Kill Bill. Ah. Right? Wow, cool. How cool is that? And then also when Quinton cast her, he then said to her, we're going to get a stunt person in for you. Mm. So, And she was like, why? You're paying me to do what I do. Mm. So she actually does all of her stunts. So her hanging out of the car... While the car, while a car, that that scene was oh That's my, crazy stuff. I was freaking out. Yeah, and the fact that she was hanging on the car as well. Yeah. Is insane. I saw her gloves that she was wearing. I was like, oh, that's nice. Because, <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't be able to... No, you wouldn't be able to hold the grip. Yeah, Not a chance. But then mm. when they... So the the film basically ends with them as girls in the film industry now yeah. like giving stuntman Mike his own medicine type of thing. Yeah. So it wasn't even about justice. It was just that he had started this cat-mouse chase and they decided they weren't going to lose it. Literally, mm. that that's, it wasn't a call for justice or anything like that. Mm. So they then go after him and then end up beating him to death and mm. killing him. But then whenever they step in, the footage stops being the whole 60s thing. And it's almost like Quinton was showing now they've got control. So I like how he did these these things that you wouldn't actually pick up, but yeah. you can actually like tie it up just with some uh, yeah. like creative ideas. But it's not just, okay, let's make it black and white for fun. You mm. know, it's we're mm. making it black and white because mm. of which. Yeah. Mm. So I personally... The first part of the film was very slow. Yeah. It was very slow. It was just like conversations. It was Mm. mainly just conversations. And then as soon as the first murder happens, then you're like, 
Oh my goodness! And then after that, you mm. now know what he's about, so you yeah. know what he's capable of. From that went pretty quickly. Yeah. And then the four girls, mm. I, I really enjoyed that part of the film. Mm. And then obviously, the fact that he, because I was just like, he's going to kill him. And then he doesn't, he is murdered. Yeah. Yeah. Which I personally agree Most of the time throughout the film, I'm like, how many of these cast does he have? <laughs> <laughs> Because the way that he just like, yeah. And they would have done all of that for real because Quentin Tarantino's yeah. not... Quentin Tarantino literally believes that the digitalization of the film industry is mm. the ruin of the film industry. Yeah. Which in a way, I understand where he's coming from. Mm. I Look, really do. There's two things to it. It's, uh, it's the amount of work and fun that goes into it. Okay, now you need to get film. This is the way you got to handle it. Remember, we got to shoot this like this because you've only got about, what was it, like nine minutes of of um, time per reel and, and then there's the development and then this is how we're going to cut it. it's a lot of fun this is how we get used to it you know etc then cinema goes in cinema it's not easily accessible so it makes it a lot more you know you see people getting dressed they're coming there mm. there's popcorn there's it was they, an event they're renting yeah, yeah they're renting they sit in the movie house big screen the sound's ready blah 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 where nowadays like i, I was actually thinking about it, watching one of his interviews how Today, I mean, I just now pull out my phone, select a movie. Watch it. In fact, on uh, no jokes, on Saturday, um, me and my family were trying to find a, a good movie to watch, and we were literally going through trailers. So, ah, oh, that looks like a good film. Can't wait. Trailer. Play the trailer. No, not a good movie. Because <laughs> the problem was that, uh, and I, I've spoken about it before, where you look for a good movie to watch by looking at the cover of the film. Mm. And the problem is that every movie doesn't look interesting. <laughs> that is so <laughs> Except true. Except the ones that you've watched. So that's when we were like, okay, uh, let's see this one. Okay, let's see the trailer. No, no, that's not good at all. <laughs> okay, stay away from that one. You know, cover my kid's eyes. Okay, no, we're not watching that one. So we literally went through a whole lot of trailers for about a good 45 minutes. That's the thing. That's yeah. they, they actually have a term for it. So I think it's called something like search fatigue or something like that where... Mm. You're browsing on a streaming site for something to watch and you can't find anything. And you eventually see? you're just like, yeah. that's why, what I personally do if I want to find a movie. I'll search either a director and then look at the movies he's made. Yeah. Or I'll search an actor that I like and enjoys their performance and their work. And mm. then, yeah, stuff like that. I did Christian Bale. Yeah. Like his older films are like, okay, no, no, no. I, I, want, I wanted to watch uh, American Psycho. Is it American Psycho? Isn't that with um, Tom Cruise? I uh, don't. Uh, prop, it's possibly, possibly, but then yeah, it's not. It's not a family film. Wait, wait, wait! No, wait. American Psycho is the one where Christian Bale lost weight, wasn't it? Possibly. When he got very skinny. Possibly. I think yes. that's that one. That was the one that I definitely wanted to watch, and then uh, then I searched okay, then per director, and I was just like, okay, this is not working because <laughs> I got to find a family film. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, so yeah. that's and and that's what it is today now. It's a streaming site. You just you go from movie to movie and then you even decide halfway, okay, no, stop, okay, let's watch another one. Where you go to movie house, you got your selection. Or I mean, how many times do you actually go to cinema? You're like, I don't know what film I'm gonna watch. Most of the time you're like, No, we wanna go watch, you know, this, it just came out, really awesome. It's yeah, hype. Let's go watch it, exactly. But also so like I feel like the generation we live in mm. as well is 
also problematic yeah. when it comes to the film industry because like we live in a we live in a social media generation which means that most people's attention span mm. is very short is very most people cannot sit through a film these days yeah. they actually can't then so there's that side mm. which people now can't watch a movie because it's two hours long or whatever then the other side is you have people who now binge watch and literally mm. will sit and watch a series that isn't actually that great it's just there's a three-way love triangle and that's what's keeping them watching and it now and every time it ends it's like and ends they're on a dragging high. it and the story yeah. Story's yeah. trash and the cinematography is trash and the acting is trash. No, no, no. Everything the cinematography is never trash. So no, sometimes the cinematography is trash. Yeah. And but then they watch that for twelve hours mm. consecutively, as in they mm. literally sit down for twelve. I mean, who watches TV for twelve hours? What's wrong with you? No. Sorry for all the bingers out there. Can't I'm not one of those people. But like, mm. so you have two mm. extremes of either not being able to watch because my attention span is so short, or I'm willing to watch trash for twelve hours yeah. just because I want to binge. Just you understand what I'm yeah. saying? So now, like, the, the film, the quality of the film industry has mm. gone out of the window. Plus, now it's just a money-making yeah. scheme because you've got all of these different streaming sites that mm. want to have the best and the latest and the most unique show yeah. that everyone's going to leave that streaming site and come to this streaming site. So forget about quality. Let's just make something yeah. that people will be super hyped over. Yeah. And then it's it's not even good at the end yeah. Ah, the film industry. I feel like I get where Quentin Tarantino mm. says that the digital age has ruined the film industry. On the other side, I yeah. understand that d making it digital has made it easier made it for independent well. uh, filmmakers. Yeah. But the thing is, mo mm. independent filmmakers need to make movies mm. not because they want to yeah. become famous, but actually just for, for the, the love, love of, of film. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that uh, in terms of digital, yes, so what you've just said, uh, but we've already in the movie show, we've discovered directors who probably do use digital. Mm. So you can abuse digital because there are like effects and stuff like that, that like it's a, it's a comedy show. It's not even a, it's supposed to be a, you know, sci-fi, but it's a comedy show. You're like, what? Did they seriously <laughs> just do that? Are you are you serious that, that they just, like apparently the... The Matrix, um, the latest Matrix, th there's a train, there's oh, a train yeah. scene in there, and apparently the CG is like Bad. maybe for an average person they'll be like, oh, what's what? But, but you know, there's a lot of stuff. But then there are a lot of directors in that, th you know, that that sort of uh, the, the digital, the digital sort of filmmaking would would actually help them. Like a lot. Like, mm. let's look at um, what was that one? Uh, Steven Spielberg's film, the Ready Player, the Ready Player One. Player yeah, one. No, like that. You see how there's CG in it, but look at how he used. Yeah, the no, CG. he used CG prop. Even the Revenant With storytelling. Yes, Revenant was brilliant, and the way yeah. they used CG was yeah. brilliant. That was really good. Though. Yeah. So the the. There's the two sides of it. So it, it, it's just, it's like this big garbage ba bag, like full of stuff. And you have to get your hands dirty, just getting through some of the rubbish. But then there is some of the good stuff. But you know what's sad? I've stopped watching modern films because like I'm constantly disappointed. It's true. Do you know how often I have to remind myself? I'm like, that's an old movie. I'm like, but wait, hang on. But the old movies the, are the, yeah. literally this past week. I think I watched... I definitely watched three films that were all probably made before 2010. Three films. Is it? This past week. I watched one, yeah. Literally yeah. all made before the year 2010. Mm. That, look, 2010, I'd say to maybe like 2000 and 
at specific this year sucked this year's films there were like one or two or three that were good yeah. but most of the films this year have sucked mm. let's be honest even la- okay last year in 2020 we kind of had like a deficit in films because <laughs> everything was like put on hold mm. but like honestly at the mm. moment films are they're either super political which makes no sense because your film reality world does not have the political issues that we currently face so why are you bringing politics into it so you know the the new rings of power series which is a prequel to the lord of the rings apparently they've brought in they've politicized it so now in a fantasy world in middle earth with elves and dwarves and hobbits we're now bringing in feminism and racism because now middle earth has those problems as well suddenly has a crisis (laughs) what (laughs) and that's like the most expensive Uh, series ever made ever the most money spent on a series and that's what we've got Uh, a flop all i know is that i won't watch your film whose film that person oh (laughs) like what? Why did we move <laughs> to my phone? <laughs> the you, the universal you, the you, the that one, you that makes it. That makes but that I also film. feel like so if you look at Quentin Tarantino's mm. films, most of his films pay homage to a previous film era. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Look at films today; they're not doing that. Mm. And like, I'm not saying we have to always do that, but like, we I need like, to learn. From I feel like everyone's either trying to copy someone else, mm. or they're trying to do something political yeah i don't know how many of them are doing something new and different it's not they're always like yeah you know it's we're gonna put a spaceship in there and there's gonna be aliens and then there's gonna be time travel in there and that's gonna make it so cool and it's gonna be like i've seen this this i've seen or they just go weird they just go (laughs) and they do things that don't make sense and you get to the end of the movie and you're confused i recently watched a movie and i got to the end and i was like I'm so confused. <laughs> and I, was, I had to go watch full reviews to hear uh, other people's right. opinion on yeah. the film because I was actually yeah. traumatized. And then when I heard them, yeah. I was like, okay, it's not just me. It's okay. Yeah. I'm Because I, I was literally like, I don't get it. I'm, I, and it's not the, it's, it's, it wasn't the storyline. It was everything. Look, I think, I think at the end of the day, film, f- film or making a movie can either be uh, a story and I don't watch a lot of like romantic movies and stuff like that just because yep. anyway that's just my preference I won't tell you why but anyway or it, it's it's some sort of art form which it can either be very weird or you can get it and be like wow that was that was really great mm. so I think film is just that that media out there that people will use to express themselves and it's either going to be really weird <laughs> or it's going to be like really really great yeah like like we watch Back to the Future and I'll never like the acting like I, I really mean this very very respectfully and out of a way to say that it was really that, that I actually enjoyed it but it was cheesy and I actually enjoyed it like a lot of the reactions yeah. like there's the one scene where the bully walks in front of the camera in the foreground and Michael J. Fox is in the background and like the way that that, that Steven Spielberg got the shot his eyeballs are like popping up <laughs> Are popping out over the top like this, like doing <laughs> doing this, and like even the fact that they got like two young actors as his yeah. as his dad and his mom, mm. and then you can see how they like made the dad like look a lot older, and like there was just a, but we loved me and my son we loved mm. the film we enjoyed it it was a, such a good. There's the one shot I'll never forget, and it's the first time that the car goes like goes time travels. Oh yes, and the the line of fire, fire. so it's, it's heading yeah. towards them. Now, now imagine the time that this was happening, that they that this film would have taken... I mean, you've probably never seen much of this stuff before. But the car's driving towards this. 
okay, doctor, I can't remember what his name was, but doc, he, he's like so confident and like, like my fly, you know. Yeah, he's freaking out. He's like freaking out. And then the thing disappears. And where the, the, the tire tracks were, this is like Line thing of fire. fire. They like ends up right between their legs. And then like they look back and like, like the feet, I was just like, wow, okay, that's cool. That is so cool. I don't know why, but I love that. I want to see that again. Mm. And then it happens again at the end. And then right at the end, like the car takes, it's like just, it's cinema. But that's also practical effects. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Is I was the just wondering how they actually did that yeah, without, no. yeah, because they would have been hot, you know. But like, <laughs> that's the problem they as well. They probably overlaid it. They overlaid it. That's what they did. Double film and then they mask it. <laughs> and they put it <laughs> but over. But it's still practical. It's <laughs> not digital. Star Wars. Yes. Yes. The problem is a lot of like, yeah, I feel like... Mm. Because like even if you look at, I was watching a video. So Corridor Digital, they're a VFX guys. I'm hoping they did a whole video. I'm hoping you're saying the one that I'm hoping you're saying. Explosions. No. Oh no. Okay. Oh yes, but I did watch that one last week. So yeah, yeah, they were busy yeah. looking at CG explosions and mm. how accurate they are. And most CG explosions are inaccurate. They are fake, like super yeah. fake. And then they looked at films. They show like a real explosion, mm. and then um, how it should look, how it should yes, react. Like yes. was, that, that was so good. I enjoyed. And yet that. we've gotten used to what, it, like we what we think is an explosion <laughs> is not an explosion. I know after an explosion <laughs> CG. <laughs> so when I watched that, I was like deeply convicted. But then also. The so technology has advanced so like i know yeah. with like explosion simulations and that there's certain it, like it's it's improving yeah. so cg is improving you can give it direction yeah, you can give it a type of i watched one today um on like corridor and this is us advertising corridor so corridor you should like talk about us sometime you know you know um uh about the catch in spider-man Oh, yeah. First, uh, Toby Maguire when he caught all the lunches Didn't he do and 156 stuff. 156 or seven yeah. takes. Like they did that for real. Like there was a practical effect, and then they effect. tried to do it. They tried to simulate it, and it, they did it in 33 takes. They did it in 33, 33 takes. It was brilliant, and it was hilarious at the same time. But those are practical effects. Yeah, no, practical yeah. is yeah, mm. practical is awesome. This though is the only Quentin Tarantino movie that takes place completely in chronological order and without flashbacks. That's true. I never thought about that. Mm, I didn't think about it either until I read the film. I was like, "Oh wow, it is!" <laughs> Literally, it plays from start to finish. That's when you want to phone Quentin up. Quentin, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, we were doing the thing so well. I personally then... don't think it was a bad film. Can I just say there were? Uh, I d the first part I didn't enjoy the lap dance like that. I was just like, really. And then mm. um, the conversation In also the like it was very boyish, if I could put it like that, because the ma the, the all the conversations were mainly between chicks, but the things yeah. the chicks were talking about I and was there were a lot like, of chicks feet in this one as well yeah but that's a Quentin Tarantino, a Quentin Tarantino thing, Tarantino yeah, thing like yeah like we could started with a chicks two a chicks feet on the exactly. dashboard yeah but like the the chicks what they spoke about I was just like a guy definitely wrote this dialogue do you understand what I'm yeah. saying like it wasn't and also mm. like his dialogue it wasn't the greatest dialogue however like I love the shots the action that car chase sequence was brilliant mm. like the I I I thought that chick was dead I thought Zoe Bow was dead I was like this poor woman yeah like she shouldn't have done the stunt or the and then what she comes out the bushes I'm okay <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Then also, the original name was not supposed to be Death Proof. It was supposed to be Thunderbolt. Uh. But in the beginning of the movie, you actually see a screen comes up that says Quentin Tarantino's Thunderbolt and then glitches, like that that old 60s film mm. glitch, glitches to Death Proof. So he still technically like mm. put it in for like a few seconds and Choose then a name glitched it out. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and then the film, so the actual film itself, was physically scratched to achieve its dirty look. I was going to ask that question. So it's not like, a, it's not a old, ancient, what's it called? Aged film. Aged film effect. Yeah, then you can choose how the realistic. Asset, yeah. you know, search the asset Overlay. there. Scratched film. No damaged film. No, I know enough defects. What is it? Oh. Final Cuts, it's aged film. Yeah, aged. Uh, yeah, and then you can choose realistic film. grain. Bad TV. That's what is on after defects. Bad yeah. TV. Yeah, bad TV. Drag, yeah, no? drop. They literally scratched uh, the film to achieve its dirty look. Uh, Rather than digitally scratching it, they technically, uh, no, practically. I'm sure Quentin wanted to be there when they did it. Because imagine, oh, it's too much, guys. Can you go back? We have, we have, the, <laughs> the, we have the second film reel, right? You guys didn't no? copy. You guys didn't copy. Everybody knows you copy <laughs> the film and then you. <sighs> <sighs> you know the jukebox that was in the bar? Yeah. That's Quentin's. I knew there was going to be something on this unit. Yeah. And he he he, tra he transported it all the way to <laughs> Austin, Texas. Go fetch my jukebox, will you? <laughs> also, Tarantino came up with the idea of Death Proof when he was having when he was having a drunken hotel night with a friend, Sean Penn. You know Sean Penn, right? Yeah. Tarantino wanted to buy a Volvo because he didn't want to die in some auto accidents like the one in Pulp Fiction. And then in regards to the safety of the car, Sean Penn said, well, you could take any car and give it to a stunt team and for $10,000 or $15,000, they can death proof it for you. And death proof, the death proof phrase had stuck in his mind after that. Death and then he came car. up with the idea of a serial killer mm. stuntsman. I mm. think actually the worst type of serial killer could be a stunt person because like their, their job was not to die. Mm. And now they are trying to kill you. They would know exactly, because there's obviously a lot of science and, you know, there's a lot of stuff. Physics, yeah. A, a lot of things that we don't think, like I know uh, there was a program I was watching and the, the guy was testing uh, the car's impact and he said uh, just before impact he has to take his hands off the steering wheel because apparently what happens is when your hands are like this and on impact you break your wrists. Eh. Makes sense, doesn't it? Stuff you never think about before. So, guys, if you get a, a car accident... Just go... Ah! Are you okay? I'm good. The movie good. show is saving lives. I'm good. My wrists <laughs> are good. Let me but help. also, Quinson was actually saying in another interview that the, the, the character Stuntman Mike, most stunt people that he's spoken to have said that they know of a stuntman like that who... But not, not as in the serial killer, but the, what I'm saying is like say. the character is not that far off from reality because like yeah. he, they know of a lot of stuntsmen who like... They did a couple of work or, or a couple of movies that the movie or the person they were doing stunts for, like most people don't know. I don't know if you remember, there was that scene in the bar where he was busy telling them, you know, I was the person in it. And then and eventually was like, know. yeah, you don't know any of these people, do you? And, and then, then they were like, like, no, sorry. So like they, mm. they've done work, but most people don't even know mm. the work that they've done. And now they're kind of out of jobs because like mm. CG and stuff has taken over mm. and they even dress like he, he, he dressed. So like the skinny yeah. jeans, the jacket, the glasses and not only that if you think about it most stuntsmen they have to have a similar look-alike and body build as a certain actor yeah so if you don't you know if, if that person that you look alike or have the same body builder let's say you you've got five good actors if if they're not in a movie production at that time that is requiring your stunts skill 
Then you grow out of work. You're out of work. It's even yeah. like the, he even portrayed it with Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. Brad Pitt was Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio's stunt man. Exactly. But then eventually he couldn't find work anymore. Mm. And so he just started, he would drive Leonardo around. He became like uh, yeah. his driver. He'd fix mm. his TV satellites mm. when, yeah. I suppose you could be like a practical effects supervisor. Yeah, racing movies, you know, safety, car 101, driving safety. But I think you still have to have connections. Stunts, pr- uh, death proofing cars. Ooh, there we go. You know, going to Ip Bag. Maybe uh, they company. want to be in the film, though. Yeah, they do. Even they. though no one knows it was them. Yeah, it's one of those things, you know, he <laughs> like makes the best airbag and he's just not satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> so he starts killing people <laughs> with his airbags. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you see, but also what I like was that Quentin Tarantino does is his films include film, the film industry. Do you yeah. understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once about a time in Hollywood, was like film industry galore. Like I it's love like his that opinion movie. about something, yes. and then he make, like makes a movie about and it. And then like this one had stuntsmen, wow. makeup artists. Like the whole thing mm. was th- like people who work in the film true, industry. True. Pulp Fiction. She had done a pilot mm. show. Like he he'll bring that in. Yeah. So the next film after Death Proof that he made mm. was Inglorious, right? Mm. Which personally for me is, is really at the top of Quentin Tarantino's list. Then after I'll Inglorious, forget that German guy. What Christoph, was Christoph Christoph Waltz. Yes, his character was Such beautiful, a cool guy. Then it was Django, mm. which was number seven, which we've watched. So we've watched mm. both of those, mm. and then it was The Hateful Eight. So The Hateful Eight we haven't watched, which and that that was his eighth film, mm. and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which and then his tenth film has not come out yet. Yeah. So Quentin Tarantino has one more film to mm. make. We have one more film to review mm. before that film, which is The Hateful Eight. Mm. We have done Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You can go check our previous episodes there for you those. Go. You can go right now. Yeah, but we have almost gone to the end of our Quentin mm. Tarantino marathon. Mm. Mm. And then I guess we'll have to pick on another director. Or we'll just we have to do the Great Gatsby. I cannot mm. believe I don't don't shame me. I watched that movie like two weeks ago for the first time properly, mm. and I was just like, this movie's beautiful. But that was Baz as well, mm. 2013. Yeah. But was brilliant. Yeah, it was that. I did mention it in uh, when we did Alvis uh, that I picked up the similar, you know, th- there's a there's a trait. Yeah, no, Baz has a very Baz, yeah, very specific trait. Mm. It'll be quite a. Oh, there's mm. also a film. I don't know if it's good, but there's a film. So when Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were in film school, they wrote a script together. And that was the first the first big movie that they were in was that script. So they wrote the script specifically so that they could star in it. And that I think it also has Robin Williams in it that they then made fresh out of film school. And the, the two of them oh, that's the actually way to go, eh? wrote... The script together. Yeah, that's the way to go. So that one, it's called Good Good Live Hunting or Good Life Hunting. I wrote Goodwill Good Hunting. Al- Goodwill. Is it Goodwill? I, I misspelled that it. It makes a lot of sense. Wait. Really? Yeah. You Did said have you, you watched it? Yeah. I haven't watched it. You said Matt Damon? Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. That makes a lot of sense. And Robin Williams was in it. Wow. Yeah, it's with Goodwill. Okay. Is it Goodwill Hunting? Goodwill Hunting, I yeah. wrote Good L-I-V-K Hunting. L-I-V-K? I don't know what L-I-V-K uh, No, I think it, I think <laughs> your phone Yeah, no, it changed it. Goodwill Hunting, 1997. Wow. And it was written by Ben and Affleck Matt and Matt Damon. Matt Damon's a good actor Yeah, as I well. see screenplay Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. That's it. So that's... 
could possibly be there. I feel like we're just going to be watching old movies because recent movies suck. Yeah. Although Bullet Train was good, right? Have you watched Bullet Train? I'm going to. Bullet Train was very good. Uh, I have my hands on Brad it now. Pitt. Yes, I have my hands on it. Guy Ritchie Field. Yes, in fact, that, that's actually what we were going to watch on Saturday. And then we realized it is not kiddie proof. Yeah, that one. So we were like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I had my wife look at the trailer. She just looks at me. She's like, no, not for the kids, my dear. Kids, go to bed. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> go to sleep. What? <laughs> Quickly, honey. Go get the sleeping pills. <laughs> no, don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. Don't do that. That was not recommended by me. It was a joke. Finished. <laughs> 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 uh, End of the now joke. Now, if you see Ryan's kids sleeping, you're like, mm. I'm going to feel guilty whenever my kids are sleeping now. <laughs> Ryan? Oh, look at him sleeping. This is not what you think. No, I wasn't going to. No, that's not what you did. Ryan, why are you so guilty? Why are you acting guilty? No, no, I'm I swear, I'm Ryan. Yeah. Stuntman Ryan. Mm. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. So Death Proof, I, I enjoyed. I specifically enjoyed the end of it. I really enjoyed. Mike, when he <laughs> I'm sorry. For what he did to those first goals, yeah. I was just like, kill him. Yeah. Uh, those were my honest thoughts. I thought he was going to just live a bit longer in a weird way. It was sort of just like chase after them and then they... No, that chase was long. Then they still jumped back in the car and then he drove off. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And then they were still driving. <laughs> and then he still thought he'd lost them, remember? Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. But then for me, it was when, when she she kicked his face mm. in. Mm. I honestly got the vibes that this was based on a true story of like a serial killer who was going after female, like, especially with the casting photos at the end in the trailer. Yeah. I mean, in the credits, sorry. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that. Like, I was like, I wonder if this is a true life story of a stunt mm. double who like went mad and became a serial killer. But... As far as we know, it's not. Who knows? Don't do not do it, guys. Just retire and be glad. <laughs> retire and be glad. Change someone else up. Yeah, go go into theater, you know. Mm. That was, that's what Quentin Tarantino is going to do. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. It's been the movie show. Next up, The Hateful Eight. I'm actually excited. Tim said The Hateful Eight is his favorite Quentin Tarantino oh, film. Oh, is it? So, I think it's going to be good. Okay, we got... Big and it's pretty modern. It's pretty recent. We it was the last film before Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh. So it's so like... a modern film. Yeah. That's nice. Recent times. That is going to be quite nice. But this has been the movie show. On your favorite ORSPS. Peace. Cheers. All the choices you made, did you make them again? 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 Like what you're listening to? Of course you of do. Course you of course you do. Follow us on all social media platforms and engage with us. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. This is Ready On Demand. What you want, when you want it. It's Active FM. Active FM, the Netflix of radio, but better. But better. But better.